welcome to Try Not to Blink. Today's show, we're going to start by diving into the newest treatment for Demodex. We'll also discuss holistic approach to eye care and when to use autologous versus PRP in treating inflammatory dry eye. 80% of our immune cells are located in our gut, up to 80%, somewhere between 7 to 80%. So our, if our gut is inflamed, our body's going to be inflamed. Our eyes are going to be inflamed. We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who have made this podcast possible. Makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the incredible custom stable lens. I'm your host, Dr. Roya Habibi, and joining me is none other than Dr. Sheila Morrison. Let's do this. Let's do this. I think we need to talk about the new treatment for Demodex first. Yes. I think we mentioned it a few episodes ago. You're right. It was a breeze. We didn't have time. Or did we know? It's a really... We, we Well, now, I mean, it's now the more I think about it, this one's a, this is a good one. And we'll, I'll teach you a little bit about what I have learned since yes. you presented that first kind of release of some of the latest FDA approved products. Um, now, first and foremost, though, we have to roast, not toast, but roast the farm companies just a little for these <laughs> toast, names because I'm quite mortified that I can't even really pronounce it still. So is Demi? Demi? Ex-Demi. I don't even know if that's right, but that's what I would say. Not only is that the name challenging. Why? Why do they always do this? Why do they put the weirdest letters together? I don't get it. Lotolaner. Lotolaner Ophthalmic Solution. Latanolar? Tomato, tomato, tomato. I don't even know. Oh, do you know what about this? Do you think the name, so X is X D E M V Y. Do you think it's like exterminate, exterminate Demodex? Exdemvi. Do you think that V fast? That kind of makes it V. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> or V. Get yes. this stuff out of here. <laughs> well, the you know the the drug actually is pretty pretty sweet. It so first of all, side effects are low according to studies. There's no known contraindications for any patients with Demodex. The cool thing about it is that it's a drop, not a lid treatment. So lid treatments are fine. I mean, I have them done myself. Um, you know, for whatever. Well give away my secrets, my Demodex problems. Just <laughs> I don't know. But you're, you're, you're lifting say, up the curtains. Just, you're just, telling us more. I, just I love spe- it. Speaking for, speaking for a friend right. who's had these <laughs> treatments. <laughs> <laughs> but what the drug does, it's kind of cool because with a drop, it's just a lot easier for patients to use and coming in for a scrub. You know, the wipes are great, but you know, some patients like really, if you know, I, a drop is a little bit, can be easier for some people. Um, it's pretty deadly. What it actually does is somehow the medication paralyzes the little mites that live in the eyelashes of our affected patients. So let me repeat, it paralyzes them. Like <laughs> drop the mic. It's Boom. mic drop right there. Boom. <laughs> so, and the drug is actually lipid loving, which is kind of cool. That's okay. how it is. It ninjas its way into the meibomian glands, kind of traveling through the oils in our glands to sneak right into those eyelash follicles, hit those little babies where it hurts. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of a neat new, yeah, totally different way of treating Demodex than anything on the market. How, like, how is it prescribed? I mean, I don't know. Do you know how it's prescribed? I do. I'll cheat. It's a six week. (laughs) (laughs) Satin yourself. I didn't even know you had that set up. That was fully. Six week treatment course 
drops admitted, administered twice a day, so BID in the affected eye, so I assume both eyes most of the time. Um, and yeah, low dose. I believe I read, now I can't even find it, but a, a very high efficacy rate. So I think it was like 75%. Don't quote me on that one, so don't get mad at me if that was wrong. But it's a really high effective score or eff efficacy, efficacy on treatment, yeah. right? So. Mm -hmm. And with very little contraindication, every dry or every drop that is basically on the market sometimes has redness, sometimes has dryness, but pretty low. And it's kind of weird too, because lotolaner or however you say it is a is a vet medication for fleas oh. and ticks. I think oh, it, is. it makes sense. It's, wow, crossing it's over an the anti-parasitic. Okay, well, interprofessional relationships. We need to do more with all of the health professions. So now we're tapping into. Veterinary science. I love it. Whatever <laughs> right. works, right? I mean, whatever works. <laughs> we're, we're all mammals. I don't know. Everybody, yeah. At I mean, the end of the day, if it works, it works. That's all you got to know. It's true. I mean, in the past, at least for me, when I saw those collarettes, I mean, what do you do first on diagnosing Demodex in your practice? Well, I, first thing is look for it. Honestly, you know, a lot of times patients will come in with similar side effects or similar symptoms. So, it's a red eye or a complaint of burning or itching or, you know, some form of something that sounds somewhat like dry eye problems. And you can really be chasing something that it's not if you don't take the time to really look closely at the base of the eyelashes. So um, I would say probably step one is actually looking for it's looking for it. And you'd be surprised at how many patients actually that you wouldn't expect or that you don't realize um, that maybe aren't complaining of the really bad itch or you know, have really obvious, you know, crust and flake or this or that, or those collarettes at the base of the lash, but that do have it. And you clear that away and they're just so much better. Yeah. Almost immediately. Right. Um, side yeah, note, contact. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say contact. side. <laughs> dang it. Side note go, is go, go, Tarsus, go. Tarsus back in May ran a, uh, campaign that is literally hysterical. It is don't freak out, get checked out. <laughs> Talking about Ooh. Demodex, I mean, you mentioned like, like the quote unquote shame of having bugs on your eyes, right? Yes. Patients hate it. Especially when you pull out a picture that's like the magnification image that's on the internet of Demodex and it's like a big, huge worm thing. Disgusting. And they're, they're horrified. I know. Horrified. I know. Back in the Let's day, I think it was it. from Don't my old it. like Blefx. I used to do Blefx. Yeah. Um, but they had sent this like, this weird kind of like, almost like gooey God, I don't even remember what the material was, but it was this big, clear Demodex. And I always just, like, I kind of forgot about it, but it was like on one of my shelves and people would be like, what is that? <laughs> and it was a nice conversation point, you know, and, but it's a good true. way to break the ice. It's a great way to break the ice. But did you see those little, the little stuffies that, um, Persis was like handing out recently yes. just as like launching it. Yes. I gave yes. one of those to my six year old. It's a hit with her. It's cool. The Demodex, maybe Demodex is the new, it's cool now. Just let's, you know, normalize Demodex. And everyone wants on it now. Job. Everyone wants. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I gave that to my dog. He loves yeah. Xdemby. <laughs> oh, so many, so many uses. Xdemby is in pieces of millions of pieces unfluffed and we have eradicated extem or demodex in my home too <laughs> lovely i love it so you know today in the clinic we're actually i i know personally i'm so excited and honored to introduce today's fabulous guest speaking along the lines of our ocular surface issues that we have 
Um, she truly takes things to the next level in her practice. Um, and we're going to, uh, you'll find out why with Dr. Mila Yusufova. Hello and welcome to our session today with Dr. Mila Yusufova. We're so grateful to have you today. For me, it's a really special chat to have because when I was a resident in Portland, I had the opportunity to work with you at your practice. And at the time, the practice was really booming already. But since I was there, I don't know, how long is this? About maybe 10 years ago now, something like that. Um, you've really gotten into a whole different area of uh, dry eye, including blood biologics. We're really excited to pick your brain a little bit more um, about that. So Dr. Mila graduated from New England College of Optometry, created did, and completed your residency program in Community Health and Ocular Disease of Boston. Um, Mila is a fellow of the American Academy of Optometry and is on the leadership team of the anterior segment section of the AAO. Among many other things she's done, she served as adjunct faculty at Pacific for more than 10 years, has been an examiner on the board's um, exam. Mila owns a private practice right now with special interest in advanced dry eye treatments, nutritional counseling, and aesthetic services. Now, I know you recently studied also on, um, took a program in human nutrition and functional medicine at the University of Western States to become a certified nutrition specialist. Um, that's actually a really cool thing because it, we don't really see that often where you know, you've been in practice for many years and going back to do something that seems completely not eye related. Um, what made you decide to go back and take that kind of education? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to see both of you and to chat with both of you. I feel like it's been forever. Um, and Sheila, when you, when you were in my practice, I just loved you and I wanted you to stay with me forever. But so I am glad that we are back. Uh, yeah, it's back, you know, full circle, catching up, um, talking about all the new things that I've implemented over the years in my practice. So I opened my practice 10 years ago and it's pretty much early on. I knew that I wanted to do dry eye. There was a need, there was a demand and I felt like the, the treatment options, like kind of the conventional treatment options were just not enough. And over the years, I've really started pretty much early on invested in all the advanced technologies and kept adding and adding, and we'll get into biologics. But to answer your question about nutrition, I mean, it is related to eyes. It is related to everything, uh, to skin, to pretty much every, you know, condition that, systemic condition, condition that you here your patients have and unfortunately in school and it's not just optometry school but pretty much all um you know in healthcare in medicine as well they are we are not taught nutrition maybe very in passing very briefly we are you know a couple hours of nutrition talk we learn about carotenoids and maybe omega-3s and that's about it but i think too I it's like that it's always been like a a pie in the sky thing, right? It's like, okay, you take this medicine if you have heart condition and you take this medicine if you have this skin problem. And then like the last paragraph in every condition there is, is like, and running exercise and good diet helps, right? Period. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like that's, that's why I wanted to mo know more about nutrition. I feel like, yes, my approach was kind of like that general, like eat healthy exercise, drink more you know, water, and your eyes will be healthy. Yeah. Yeah, it was just very much a, a blanket or sort of general approach. 
And I wanted to do more. Just like with my dry eye approach, I wanted to do more for my patients because maybe they weren't, what was offered was not enough. And I decided, and this was right before COVID, I enrolled to uh, study. It was, it's a uh, master's pr program at the University of Western States. And they have other, it's a naturopathic school. So it's it's very um prestigious or you know accredited a school and it is it was a lot of work to do, go back to school and actually do all the you know classroom work it was there were definitely times where i was like what am i doing how long, I how thought long I was did this program this. take you <laughs> right how long did it take um, you to complete it um, so it was, I was only taking one course at a time. You could definitely load up and do more than that, but that was plenty for me. And, um, it was about two and a half years of just the class and work. And then it's taking me a little bit longer. We needed 1000 clinical hours and you're, you're working with a, remember like back in optometry school, you do two years of, of classroom work and then you're in clinic with, you know, two more years. Um, so it's similar. We had to do one hour, 1,000 hours with uh, these supervisors. So you have to meet with them, present cases. You had to talk about, you know, I mean, for me, it was easy. I already had like clientele in a way. I had patients in my, um, that I was already talking about nutrition, but it had to be more advanced approaches right doing some testing and really customizing the diet and supplements and things like that so i'm almost done with that i'm i just finished the hours i'm submitting it to the actually submitted this morning to the american nutrition um, association and should be getting my license like in a couple of weeks snaps yeah. that's so cool snaps. congratulations Congrats. So how did, which, which direction did the education go with your patients then because i don't know how many times i mean you know i know in any dry practice patients are always asking for a holistic approach so patients mm -hmm. are looking for advice on you know half the time you feel almost like a hairdresser with all these things that get brought to your attention and they're looking for solutions not just to their eyes but asking what should I be eating? What should I be doing for mm -hmm. a lifestyle that can anything that I can do to control? So, yeah. you know, when you're when you're doing your clinicals, were you actually approaching patients and offering them this advice yeah. as a, as a special I would, service? I would, do, mm -hmm, I would do separate work because you really can cover it in the time that we have to see do do an eye exam. I mean, a lot of times these would be a separate uh, counseling sort of meetings, some some in person, some via Zoom, because um, that takes time to really go over like all the stuff that you know their diet. And and I had a separate EMR for them for them that would send them like here's you know your food diary just give me like three days of like what you to eat what's you know what are your snacks what kind of supplements so it almost in a way i combined it a little bit with my clinical you know i the optometric care but also i had to separate it when it had to go really in depth and patients really wanted to work with me as a nutritionist not just you know not as an optometrist I had to separate that in separate fees and separate type of like EMR, separate type of, you know, I would put my like nutrition hat on and, and do it a little bit different. So but, um, I have a question too that kind of is before, yeah. like, like to take a step back for a second. 
when you told, whether it's like your business partners, your partner, like anyone, I'm going to nutrition school, was everyone like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> what does yeah. that have to do with that? Like, what made you even think? I mean, you kind of touched on this, but what made you think like, I'm going to go back to school for this? Because anything I do, I, I, I want to do it well. I want to be an expert in that. And I felt like if I'm going to give advice on supplements, supplements and nutrition, I want to know what the heck I'm talking about. I want to be able to answer the questions at a deeper, deeper cellular level. I want to know how, you know, nutrients or, you know, supplements or drugs interact with each other. What's if the patient is on certain medication, but they want to take this supplement, am I going to know, is that contraindicated? Is this one going to? So, yes, I did get a lot of, especially like my husband was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Come back to that. <laughs> um, because, you know, we have two little kids. So it was just like, it took time. I mean, there were exams, there are papers, you had to, there's, you know, weekly forums, we had to, you know, read these articles, these research papers. And and report on them. So it was a lot of busy work that goes with any schooling, right? Of course. And so, yes, you're right. I totally got some of that. But then I also got, you know, encouragement. And um, if the, the topic came up with my patients and they were like, that's so cool. Like, that's awesome. Like, I want to work with you on, on that because I've been wanting to. I feel like I need to change my diet. I feel like, you know... I don't have the energy, I don't sleep well, I have more anxiety, brain fog, and things like that. So it just, there's a lot of support for sure, but also some like, yeah, what do you, why are you doing that? Like, what are, isn't it, isn't your, what the, yeah, isn't your degree enough? Yeah, because it's <laughs> overachiever over there. Jeez. Well, I mean, <laughs> what, what do you do if you're just a, an average dry eye optometrist with no nutrition degree? So, you know, in your all this, all the things you've learned, like clearly, like we've been following you. That's why we invited you to come and share some of this information with us um, and share with our audience that, you know, in, in what you've learned, if you could give optometrists or vision care providers that are seeing dry patients any advice on how can you integrate a few things, what would be the key things that you may suggest, you know, do we need to be referring to a nutritionist more? Do we need to be you know, taking certain things in a case history that are really important. Yeah, I think this is a, I mean, this is a very um, uh, appropriate and common question I get often. And it's, there's definitely not a single answer, right? It's not a, oh, just give every, every dry eye patient this, which is why I, if, if it was that easy, I would have, I wouldn't have had to go back to school to really, because there's a lot of nuances, a lot of difference, right? So recognizing that patients with autoimmune conditions will have different issues and maybe some, um, you know, uh, imbalances in their body versus someone with metabolic health. And, um, but let's say in general, this is, okay, let me plug my, give us an example. Plug my, plug my, um, the program that which we can get to in a, in a minute, but I think what I, I definitely like not every every eye doctor or optometrist has to really know things at a, at a deep level. I think the first thing comes with making the connection and telling patients 
what you eat, what you put in your body is going to make a difference on your skin. So for our rosacea patients, which we know that's a really big risk factor for meibomian gland dysfunction, ocular rosacea, obviously. So we see a ton of patients with rosacea making a connection that, you know, it a lot. there's usually certain foods will definitely flare it up, but also some um, microbes in your, probably you have an overgrowth of certain microbes in your gut that are out of control. So making that connection, and a lot of times when I say that patient's like, what? I've had rosacea all my life. I didn't know that food can affect it. And whether you, again, recommend certain things for, for those particular patients, we know, you know, spicy foods, high histamine foods, like fermented foods can be really um, triggering. Um, some of them, you know, dairy is a, is a problem. In general, processed foods, alcohol, things like that. So again, some of those general recommendations would be for those patients. But again, for maybe a general optometrist who's doing dry eye, making the connection and then saying, you should work with a nutritionist or you should work with uh, a functional medicine doctor, someone who is going to do maybe some gut, you know, stool testing and looking at your microbiome and looking at the, you know, micronutrient imbalances in your body. And sometimes, you know, again, it goes into like doing functional testing, but sometimes just symptom wise. So as a first step is just talking about it with your patients, making that connection awareness that, Let's work with someone who can, you know, help us in, in navigating that. Um, but we, so Dr. Celia Fatch and I, she's the other optometrist slash nutritionist. Her and I have partnered up and we've come up with a couple of different uh, products or programs, one for patients. So because we would work on with our, with our one-on-one patients, and have these great protocols, we decided let's put it together and actually have it accessible to many people and have our colleagues utilize it. So if they want to send their patients somewhere, but they don't know where, this is something that, you know, accessible to this online. So is it, is it accessible for patients to access or for uh, other vision care providers to access? So do you send your so patient have, to this resource? Yes. So we have both programs. One is for patients, and that's called dry eye nutrition uh, program. So that's specifically for patients. It's a 10-week uh, program that's online. They get, you know, certain protocols for their healing their guts, reducing inflammation, for their mental health, and you know, the nervous system support. Um, they this one is. What they get is a lot of like, uh, well, they get supplements, um, recommendations, and and diet recommendations. They get recipes, and they get access to us, which is huge. They actually get get to talk to us and um, have have uh, like live sessions with us. And then the other program is Gut Health Masterclass, and this one is for practitioners. This is for optometrists, our colleagues who, which we got a lot of, once we launched the first product, we got a lot of interest uh, from our colleagues. Hey, I want to be able to, you know, do something for myself. I want to take some a course so, so I can talk to my patients about these conditions, these imbalances. So this one is only for eye doctors. It's not for patients. And in this um, particular one, so by the way, 
I don't know if I mentioned, but our website is I Thrive. I'll put it on our show notes. Yes. So both of those programs are there. I Thrive Wellness.com. And they are both there. So you can kind of read up on what they are and the differences. So with the, with the gut health masterclass, give me like two legit points that someone's going to walk away and be able to like put into practice with their patients the next day after they listen to the course. Giving two teasers. Okay. So one is that our 80% of our immune cells are located in our gut, up to 80%, somewhere between 7 to 80%. So our, if our gut is inflamed, our body is going to be inflamed. Our eyes are going to be inflamed. So with dry eye, we've been learning for years that inflammation is the root cause of it. So controlling inflammation, which we've had all these um, tools, right, the, the immunomodulators and immunosuppressants, we do all on the ocular surface. With IPL, we go a little bit further out. We do on the skin. Yes, but it's still not getting to the root cause of it because a lot of these patients have imbalances in the, in the gut. So that's number one, just recognizing that if your immune, if your gut is inflamed, you are going to be inflamed. So no matter what you do on the surface, you you're just kind of going in circles and putting a bandaid after bandaid, and so it's just not. So enough. your patient that came into your chair and they're like, "Oh, my eyes are extra red because I had pizza last night," and you're like, meh, 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 "Like shit," or I didn't sleep last night. You know those like funny things that people say yeah. sometimes that it's like, yeah almost distracting you from like just doing your work. Maybe it actually isn't so distracting at all. And maybe it does influence our testing or our analysis. Yes. You're right. It does. I mean, sleep is another thing. So um, with the new lifestyle, uh, with the new dues um, reports, the lifestyle report, it's, that's, you know, it's highlighted. The microbiome health is highlighted there and it's, the uh, sleep. Sleep is a big factor. Those are the questions I ask my patients. How is your sleep? How many hours of sleep? What's your sleep hygiene? Like, what what do you do before you go to sleep? Do you, are you on your phone scrolling through Instagram before you go to bed? Um, you know, so those do play a factor. So the second piece that's, you know, that you're asking that this is a good, actually uh, perfect segue to that is our sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system. You know, with our really stressful lifestyle, um, lack of sleep, those are that that drives our sympathetic nervous system. That's that's our fight or flight, and that's when things yep. shut down. Because parasympathetic nervous system is what's involved in rest, digest, and secrete. So our myelin glands, our lacrimal glands, actually get uh, shut down when our sympathetic is on overdrive and that's where the rest comes in so again if you're not getting enough sleep if you're not taking the time to you know meditate and kind of wind down at the end of the day especially after stress yeah you're going to wake up with with dry eyes and you're going to because all of those secretary glands have been down regulated I love that. These are these topics are trending, seem to be popping up everywhere in the world. Like you know, I've actually been listening to an audiobook um on long runs mm-hmm. recently and it's um I think it's called The Secret to Longevity. And uh-huh. kind of the idea, I don't know if you've heard of this, but so let's say 
healthcare medicine 1.0 is like before penicillin, mm-hmm. let's say. We're discovering, yeah. giving our kids mercury or something like that. <laughs> Still that early phase. Mm-hmm. 2.0 is that era that commonly we are today, maybe not in this conversation, but it's reactive. So we're not really, you know, we're waiting until people are suffering, say with their dry eye to a certain extent, and then trying to treat after the fact. 3.0, yeah. according to this, this idea is preventative. And it sounds more like, you know, nutrition, because they talk a lot about gut inflammation in this, in this book as well. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about like prevention as the, this sounds like that's kind of one area that you're have obviously an interest in with all this nutrition stuff. How do you use that to communicate to your patients at all about do you talk to young, you know, healthy people with no symptoms about their nutrition? Yeah, I mean, I talk to every patient about nutrition. It just may be very much on a, you know, couple of minutes versus like a long discussion. So really, you know, it's gonna, it's not a cookie cutter like, oh, everybody should do this or do that. But I think come, you know, just in general talking about things that you could do to keep your, especially if I see, let's say, like I do my biography on every single patient. It's part of my pre-testing. So I want to look at the glands because yeah, a lot of these that are asymptomatic, you'll see early gland changes. So I will talk about nutrition. I will say, I'm seeing some things on my exam. You don't have any symptoms yet, but this is what can happen. And here are the things that you could do, you know, taking breaks from your screen, taking breaks um, you know, throughout the day, maybe making sure that you get eight hours of sleep and have a, a good routine before you go to sleep, diet-wise, you know, reduce inflammatory foods. And, you know, again, it may just be a general, like, you know, couple of minutes of, of uh, but every, I feel like I have never had a patient not give me like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I should do that. I know I should do that. And, so patients do appreciate that extra information they get. And it's not just like a, you know, here's your eye exam, glasses, prescriptions, you next year type of thing. Yeah. So in, our, in our practice, we have a meeting coming up here this week. And that's it, it's actually one of the topics I'd really like to see more as we all kind of value, you know, more holistic approaches to eye care and integrating mm-hmm. body systems in that kind of other side approach that starts off with even discussing this stuff with healthy people that don't have the symptoms yet to prevent that suffering later in their life. So yeah, no, it's, it's really cool topics. Do you, uh, Ray, do you guys do, are you doing a lot over in Costa Rica with dry eye right now? I wish Humid. we're getting there. We're moving in that getting direction. There? Yes. there are definitely yes. dry eye. Actually my biggest thing here, probably just because of the weather slash rain slash dust is like itchy eyes. Actually there's a big mm. keratoconus population that I'm slowly trying to tap into. Um, but that's like, cold start problems, right? Hashtag cold start problems. But <laughs> um, I miss my more complicated dry eye. I, I can't even like, it hurts to say it out loud. Like as people who do any sort of dry eye care, do you remember like when we were in school and everything like retina was super sexy, but dry eye was like, we all just kind of like turned wow. our nose to it. And now yeah. we're oh, all three yeah. like Trendy. submersed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, you, you're so right. Absolutely. And, and I remember even when I was in school and uh, residency, I loved the retina. I loved it. I felt like this is what the coolest, all the cool stuff were happening in the retina, especially during, you know, residency. I was in a community health center in Boston. So I got to see a lot of, you know, all sorts of retinopathies, all sorts of posterior um, pole problems. But it's, but the, I feel like in um, 
more of like a private practice. And maybe it's because, you know, that was also, what, 15 years ago? Um, Yeah, like dry eye has been just on the rise, right? I mean, we see it more. I think it's more prevalent. We have better tools of screening for it. So we're actually catching maybe some of those, you know, mild to moderate or asymptomatic even early. And um, especially after COVID, like I felt like, you know, there's, it's definitely something that's more prevalent, especially, you know, like cordiola and chalazia. That was something that I don't know if you guys experienced that in your practice, but all of a sudden I was seeing like several of them a week versus maybe several a month. Right. So a lot of things like just our lifestyle is, is really brought up some of these conditions that maybe, yeah, we're not as sexy to deal with before, but they are, they are problems like we have to deal with them because they're just more of them. They have to deal, yes. we have to deal with them and they're like in our wheelhouse, right? Like yeah. s- sometimes it like, you know, we all have the patient that like wants to overanalyze why they got a sty, right? Like, oh, a fly landed mm-hmm. on my eye and then, or, mm-hmm. oh, I had too much salt last night or whatever. Like they want to overanalyze and you're like, listen, this happens. Let's move on and, you know, do some warm compresses or do whatever. But it is true, like trying to figure out more, especially when there's recurrence, right? Whether it's recurrence of dry eye symptoms or, you know, not really responding as quickly or as easily as you'd like, or someone who has kind of gone through the ringer and still doesn't have a significant improvement in quality of life. Those for me were my hardest patients to deal with where it's like, I don't really feel like I'm making your life easier. I'm making it more complicated and yet your scores are remaining the same. And so Mm -hmm. you should be feeling a big improvement. And if you're not, we have to really question the different treatments that we do have. And while we are limited of our like kind of tools, like our hammers and nails and screws and all that, we do have this like baseline of general, like what we, we are, what we eat, I guess, that we can kind of ascribe to. I don't know the right way to say that, right? But yeah. tap into all the tools. You gotta tap tap into them. You know, in Canada, yeah. it's really it's really neat. Uh, we've had speaking of what's sexy too. Um, I want to make sure that we do get to this next topic too. About Canadians are starting to really pay attention to blood biologics. You know, that is a sexy sexy thing in eye care, and we're starting to find ways to compound it. Um, you know, I know that there have been some new techniques that you've explored in your clinic as well. Uh, Mila, you've been really unique in that, in that there's no one else really in your area that's doing, how did you, are you doing a lot with blood biologics still right now? Is this, that's an area that you're doing yeah, yeah. on your own with your own yeah. protocols. How are you doing that in uh, your office? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So I started doing autologous serum probably about three three, four years ago. And, um, and again, this is kind of like what I said earlier, I started investing in these new technologies early on, like I, I've been doing IPL for almost six years and all, you know, RF and uh, lipoflow. I mean, we do it all right. And, but with some patients, again, it was not still certain things you do is just not enough. You're they're they're corneas are not healing and yes you're treating the the root cause you're treating mgd and ocular rosacea but the cornea is not responding there's some corneal nerve damage that you want to heal that's where the biologics come in i mean we we now have 
you know, oxybate, we have other um, biologics, we have amniotic membranes, which are great, but some of them, again, can give like a good jump start to healing the corneal surface, but you need to keep them on something a little bit long-term, but maybe they don't qualify for oxybate yet, and it's just something that um, they need the growth factors on, on their cornea, like the nerve growth factors and epidermal growth factors. But um, what's other way to get it is through their, their blood. And patients, again, love the idea of using something from their own body to treat the problem. Um, and with blood biologics, there's really no side effects, no possible like contraindications or complications to it because, again, it's your own cells. Tell but me, okay, really quickly, a patient's in your yeah. chair, you, they've done a bunch of, of the fun things, and now you're going to say that they're, you're going to prescribe serum drops. Tell me exactly what you say. Sheila's your patient. Sheila's struggling. Explain to Sheila what you're doing. Okay. Okay, Sheila, we're going to, uh, we've done treatments to help with your myeloma gland dysfunction. Um, we've done IPL, we've done other treatments, but what I'm finding is that your corneal surface is not healing the way it should. So sometimes with long-term chronic dry eye uh, disease, what happens is that the corneal nerves get damaged and we need the corneal nerves to work properly for the corneal surface to heal. So what I'd like to do next is use your own uh, regenerative power. So your, your body has cells that can actually regenerate some of these damaged uh, nerve, corneal nerves. So what we're going to do is we're going to take your blood, we're going to spin it to separate plasma from red blood cells, white blood cells, and then we're going to use that, well, depending on what I'm doing, if I'm doing PRP, that's what I would say, you know, we'll, we'll make plasma-rich, uh, platelet-rich plasma, and we're going to use that to basically provide all those growth factors that are needed to heal the corneal surface. So this is a, also a discussion like with my auto, uh, with like Sjogren's patients. So that's, they understand that they're not producing enough uh, tears, right? If their lacrimal gland is not producing enough tears. And I explained to them that the tears have all those nutrients that your eyes need to stay healthy, to, to heal. So when, when those things are not enough, we're not, you're not producing enough and your, your tears are not providing those vital nutrients to your eyes, we can get those same things from your blood because our blood has similar composition, similar pH, and um, s similar nutrients that your eyeballs need to heal and thrive. So Love again, that. with the PRP has been utilized in other areas. So a lot of patients know they're like, oh, yeah, it's the same thing they do for facials, right? You do like a facial, you put it in, or hair growth. They they are familiar with um, doing or joint injections pain. for or joint pain, exactly. So so it's not a completely, uh, sometimes, yeah, I get like raised eyebrows. They're like, why are you going to do what? But then they're like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. They've I've heard this, either they've had it done or they've heard that this is something that's being done in other areas of medicine. And then why not it eyes? So they, they usually, it's, it's really not uh, a difficult. It's not cell, foreign. People have heard it. It's not, exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. they understand so, the concept. Several years ago, I was, I was visiting a, a colleague and he's a naturopath. And, you know, mm -hmm. we def, definitely had a little 
um, a visit you know, with the family and late night, we just had a great idea. I just had another knee surgery and my knee was bothering me still from university or from college soccer. And so we went into the clinic late night and he did a blood draw and did an injection with PRP right into the joint. And it's, that's something that's been done. I mean, you're right. It's so common to hear about PRP. People are using it for all kinds of cool applications. You know, it's really yeah. neat. How do you, how do you decide though PRP versus autologous serum though? Because, you know, historically it's been hard for us in Canada to get PRP made, but now we have ways to do it. Do, what do you like? We, I'm, what would you, how do you choose? So, you know, I know it's such a, controversial I feel like question because I feel like people that do PRP they really say autologous serums are the worst thing <laughs> you should mm -hmm. never do autologous serum and but I do both and um, if I have a patient who basically just kind of going over like the logistics or how it's made with with the autologous serum the blood is coagulated so you use a, a clotting agent so you already have uh, clotted blood and that releases growth factors. So you still get growth factors when these platelets get activated in that process, but also you are activating the white blood cells in the, um, in that, in that process. So the disadvantage of autologous serum is that you can get some inflammatory mediators that could be released from white blood cells. So that's kind of like the, the argument is that the autologous serum is inferior to PRP because of that potential inflammatory markers. In PRP, you use different methods, so you're keeping the platelets intact, and you are um, you're basically spin it and you separate the red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets, and then plasma, and you kind of you know transfer that, and that's where you're using you're using the, the plasma with platelets concentrated, and platelets then get activated. Um, sometimes we use activators, but really in eye drops we don't. Um, but essentially, they keep all the platelets, all the the platelets keep all the growth factors, and those things get released uh, later. So the argument is that we can have a lot more concentrated platelets that are intact, and um, all the growth factors that get released with it. So if I have a really, you know, advanced um, case of almost like a like a an NK, always like a neurotrophic keratitis, early neurotrophic keratitis. So I check corneal nerves on every single patient, by the way. So all my dry eye patients get corneal sensitivity tests because that gauges, that tells me where they are in the disease process. So if they're in the late stages um, and if they're reduced, they have the corneal sensitivity that's reduced, I want growth factors on those eyes. So again, depending on how difficult it's been to to treat their SBK, I might go with PRP because I know I'm gonna get a lot more growth factors on that on that tissue fast, um, and then and then you know maybe kind of graduate them to autologous serum after that. I have plenty of patients that do really good with autologous serum because either you know they've had it before, um, or maybe cost is an issue. So it's a little bit less expensive. It's also if they are sort of, they don't have autoimmune conditions, and and I actually have an analyzer, hematology analyzer. So I test my my product, or like I test each batch to make sure that there's no white blood cells, red blood cells. So 
so I can customize it that, you know, that's kind of thing like some of the studies have shown maybe comparison where telegosium is inferior to PRP. I don't know if they're necessarily checking for that, right? If they're checking to see what's, uh, what's in their, in their um, drops. So there's a Actually, lot of like, I have a question so on that because yeah, because so I used to prescribe autologous serum pretty regularly. In fact, I was actually involved in an allergenic eye drop clinical trial. Mm -hmm. So I was one of the locations mm -hmm. and investigators for that, and that was super fascinating. But the um, a lot of times, I mean, most people who are prescribing, whether it's serum drops or PRP, are sending to a, like a local compounding pharmacy, right? Like, and that's a whole headache in itself. There are some other, I'm going blank on the name right now, but a really nice option to mail. Like patients, patient just has to go get the Vital blood draw. Tears. Vital tears. Vital tears, yes. And that was actually pretty pretty useful in certain situations where patients mm -hmm. were traveling to me from far and they didn't want to have to wait for their serum drops in Seattle. There was a nice mm -hmm. pharmacy that I worked with there that would make it pretty quickly. But what's it like as a practice owner to have this in your own practice? Like what kind of investment is this? Do you have is it is it something that is profitable for you or is it just convenient? It's definitely profitable the way I do it because I don't use any kits. I don't, you know, those kits could be which I think for someone who's starting starting out it's a nice option to get a kit that kind of has all your supplies um but they could cost $100, $150 depending on what you're getting. And so then you're that costs down your your margins but for me i do everything myself so i have a first of all i have a phlebotomy license so i went and got a phlebotomy license so i could do blood draws i've now uh trained my advanced esthetician to get a phlebotomy license herself so now she's doing it so that i don't have to do i've i've been training her we have two advanced estheticians and one of them was interested in doing this because for facial prps and stuff like that it just makes sense um, but initially I was, you know, I got the phlebotomy license. So, you know, going back to three years when I first was starting out, I hired a, a mobile phlebotomist to come in and do the phlebotomy and the blood draws. And then I would prepare the drops myself. But the cost of that was adding up because I was getting busy, more patients, and she was charging per blood draw. And then also, um, and then logistically, like her schedule sometimes wasn't matching up. And so I just was relying on her schedule a lot, a lot. And that just wasn't really working for us after a while. So I looked into getting the license myself and started doing it myself. So it was a pretty easy process. But um, essentially, you know, I have a, a sterile hood. I have a Lamo Flow hood where everything is done. I get sterile bottles from, uh, you know, a lab. I get, have a uh, account with, you know, this lab supplies. So I get all the phlebotomy uh, supplies. So logistically, I mean, it takes a little bit it, for me because it, not too many people were doing it when I first started. I think more and more people are doing it. I had to kind of learn everything on my own. So it did take a long time to figure out, like, where do I get this hood? How big do I need it? What kind of, like, protocols, like, I had, you know, I have to make sure what kind of centrifuge, what kind of, you know, tubes and needles. Like I went through different kind of needles, which was easier, which one was, you know, so, so many different things that I had to uh, like figure out on my own. But now 
you know, it more, it's more accessible to more people, which is how, great. How do you figure out, one thing I actually wondered that we struggle with when we're dealing with different pharmacies and different protocols is how do you get the concentration that you're looking for? Because I, like, it's very, seems like it's hard to track exactly what each pharmacy is doing. Um, and I know I would, I think that you'd have to actually take like a cell count of each sample to see how much, how many red blood cells. Yeah. How do you, how do you do do it? Mm -hmm. Uh, PRP actually, either one, like how do you Uh, know, say if you want to prescribe, say 50% or 25% or whatever it is that you use, um, uh, how do you ensure mm -hmm. that that's what you're actually making? And then what, what is your go-to? Like what percentage do you like to use? Yeah. So with serum eye drops, you know, there's, again, there's no one protocol. There's the size, a lot of them show 20% um, Mm -hmm. concentration. And I've, you know, I usually do around 40 to 50%. And that's kind of my starting point. And then I can go up and down because, you know, again, I'm making myself. So I'll concentrate. So I'll see the patient back and kind of get feedback if they're doing well. yeah, with with the with that concentration, then I I might just stay at that. Or if they're not doing as as good, I'm not seeing as good of results. I might bump it up. So again, it's really some. I know uh, it's been some studies shown as high as like hundred percent. With that, I feel like there's just a little bit higher chance of increasing some of the pro-inflammatory mediators and possibly having um, just patients not feeling like the, the drops not feeling very comfortable in the eye versus um, kind of that 50, 40 to 50% is a good starting point. I can always go up and down. But I think most of the literature shows 20% is actually equivalent. You see pretty good results. And, and biologically, it's more similar to our tiers, the, the composition at that percent. So again, it's sort of, I think it's very customizable. For PRP, that's actually uh, it's a it's a longer answer because um, again, no set protocol, right? There's so many kits out there, and with, this is why I invested in a hematology analyzer. So I put my final product in this machine, and it tells me how many platelets I have, how many red blood cells or white blood cells, which we want those to be zero and we want platelets to be high. Um, I found that when I was testing other people's protocols, they were very, very low. The platelet counts were really low. So um, that's it's it's been a little bit of a, a lot, not a little bit, but a lot of you know trial and error <laughs> and trying to figure out like that that protocol. Like I've poked myself so many times. I've gotten so much <laughs> PRP drug made myself, you know, done um, been a guinea pig so many times now. But I have it down now, and that's that's nice. Um, but I still, depending on the patients, this is another thing where the kits can can be kind of not very helpful with like you know aesthetics in the aesthetics world when you did when you do facial PRP. A lot of them have these kits that they use, and it's very much cookie cutter. You, it's the same protocol for everyone, which I think for the for healthy individual for most people that would work. But what I like to do is I like to know what someone's baseline platelet count is because there's a variability. So somebody could be in the 100 range, 150 versus 
350. So my protocol will change based on your blood because your blood is different than my blood. So again, I just geek out on this stuff because I feel like I don't, I felt like if I'm going to do something, I want to make sure I'm doing it right. And a lot of the, like the kits that were available for aesthetics, I felt like, is this, am I getting this? First of all, you're not getting very much blood that way, but also what's, how can this cookie cutter approach up, apply to everyone? I love so that. again, there's, there's a little like, bit of water. I feel like we have so much to learn. And I mean, even just that, my mind blew. I like the idea of CRM drops alone early, like PRP has been like trending, at least in the eye care world for a couple of years now. But I remember like before it was really talked about, I had a patient come into me and say, I want PRP instead. And I was like, Whoa, first of all, don't know about that. Second of all, don't even know how to order that for you. So we actually just like, she just ended up giving in and going with serum drops. And and you brought this up earlier. I think the idea of inflammation and patients even talk about it. They're like, I know that I'm full of inflammation. Like I know I have uncontrolled autoimmune disease. A serum yeah. drop could mm-hmm. intend, like mm-hmm. I've had a patient say, I'm a, I can't do serum drops. I'm allergic to serum drops. And it's like, that's impossible. It's literally your own body. But it makes more sense when you think about the idea that mm-hmm. your body can be full of inflammation. So just dumping yeah. a concentrate of that on your eyes isn't necessarily going to exactly. make it better. So really understanding what you're prescribing and why really makes yeah. a difference. Yeah. But yeah. aside from your masterclass, I'm going to link that in our show notes. What are other ways that people can reach out to you if they want to learn more or have questions or whatever? Is there a lecture you're giving soon? Anything like that? Yes, I'll be at the academy uh, this year, and uh, I will be lecturing actually on PRP. We have two lectures, so come to the um, interior segment symposium, um, interior section. Yes. So, and that will be fun. And then also, uh, we're doing another. I'm doing another talk on um, PRP again, sort of not just PRP, but the autologous serum just the blood biologics and um my of course social media is always a fun place to connect with people with people uh, my handle is i dr mila on instagram and uh, also you know this new website that dr Celia and i put together i thrive wellness is a good place to kind of get some um information again we have some you know, blogs going and anything I nutrition related will put out more content there. Uh, we also have uh, uh, Instagram as well. It's it's I Thrive Wellness. Um, yeah, those are uh, those are good places to connect with me. And well, I'm gonna if, have those linked in our show notes. Yes, we can't wait wait to see you in person. And thank you yes. so so and much. And also Joy Summit. The Canadian Dry oh, Ice yeah. Summit, I forgot about that. So there I'll be talking about a little bit again on biologics, but but um, the gut health and gut eye connection. So that'll be a good place to, again, geek out on on nutrition, gut, and eyes. Mila, this stuff is really, honestly, you're such a, you're amazing. We're so oh, glad that you're sorry. able to spend time, <laughs> truly. Like it's inspirational. I love these conversations with, 
people spending so much time on, you know, further education on how do we manage people as whole humans, you know, not just a set of eyes. And we're really doing a higher level of service that way. And so we really, really appreciate that you took some time to uh, out of your very busy schedule to be with us today. Um, so, yeah, I'd say we probably have come to an end, though, for today, sadly. Um, we definitely want to hear from everybody. Um, anyone out there, please reach out to us with your feedback, questions, stories, anything else you're interested in hearing from us um, through Instagram or Facebook as well. Um, and we really can't close today's show without again saying thank you to Valley Contacts for both making great products and amazing being great people to work with as well. Uh, be sure to tune in and listen to our next episode. But until then, try not to blink.